Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. explain it all, though we're not talking about Jonah today, I promise. Ah, how's everyone doing? Yeah. Take a breath. We're good. Um, Oh, thank you. How am I doing? I am frazzled, but (laughs) I'm here. No. You know what? I feel like even just after worshiping, God, God has a way of, I think, refining our priorities and perspective and just in his presence. So, I am here, and I am thankful. I'm so thankful for all of you guys. Um, So we are in the middle of this series today, um, God, us, right? We have these blanks we're filling in each week with a different preposition about how God interacts with us and who God is. And I'm actually really excited about this, guys. I am a grammar nerd at heart. I wish we were diagramming sentences in this series, but we're not. This might be the closest I get to that. So um, anyway... Guys, I found this cheesy uh, Christmas card. I don't know if you guys are finding Christmas cards yet or sending those out. This one says, you're like every Hallmark Christmas movie ever. I couldn't survive the holidays without you. How many of you are Hallmark Christmas movie fans? Yeah, a couple brave people are gonna admit it. I have, a, I have like a love-hate relationship with them. Like I, I feel like I can't live without holiday Christmas movies sometimes. But I know, like sometimes you're watching and you're like, this guy and his cheesy face and I just want to hit it. Like I don't, like, you know what I mean? Or you know the plot before it happens and you're sitting there like, I could have told you that, you know, she was going to leave the big city and end up in the small town. And anyway. Um, but for you, okay, so for me, Hallmark Christmas movies are something that I usually have. It's a staple in my house for the Christmas season. Would you say, what would, what would you say is one thing that you can't live without this season? Don't say family and friends, because I know that's a cheat, that's, that's copping out. Turn to someone next to you and tell them what's one thing you could not survive the holiday season without. <laughs> so, I'm, he- I'm hearing a little too much laughter, guys, so I don't know what you're saying out there. I don't know if, if it's eggnog for you, if it's like, yeah, oh, Roger says yes. Um, I don't know if it's the tinsel. I, don't, I never got into the tinsel thing. Christmas puzzles. I love to do a puzzle every Christmas season. Um, but you know what I find is interesting? Sometimes the things that we uh, really need most to survive are things we often take for granted. And that's not just true of the Christmas season, but really all year round, right? Like I might tell you that one thing I could not live without is coffee, But in reality, something that I really can't live without is water. And my friends who hydrate put me to shame because I pretty much just run around all day with my caffeine. Um, Water, I was actually thinking about that a lot this week, and water is something that is so vital to human existence, right? Aside from like air and uh, we need sunlight, but water is vital. In fact, um, I read that people estimate that people can only survive between two days and a week without water. So it's, it's a big deal. Um, And as much as we depend on water, think about how much more so for a fish, right? Like if we we desperately need water all the time, um, but fish, most freshwater fish I found out this week can only live for about 10 minutes to an hour outside of water. That is not very long. 
An article I found this week, um, Agriculture Extension article, says, fish are totally dependent on water to breathe, feed, grow, excrete wastes, maintain a salt balance, and reproduce. That's pretty much everything, right? Yeah. The fish spends its whole life in water, but the reality is water's, water's supposed to be clear, right? Hopefully. Um, it's it's a, this see-through liquid, and to be honest, how often do the fish even really think about the fact that they're swimming in this thing that is sustaining their life? Um, I actually have a joke, um, hopefully, for us here. Oh, it's hard to read, but it says, the one fish is saying, I'm reading this article about self-care. Any idea what hydration is? And the point here is, the fish, again, is, is being sustained, it's being kept alive by water, and yet it probably isn't even aware sometimes that, of what water is, that water is even there, that it exists. The very thing it's dependent on to breathe, eat, swim, grow, and reproduce is the thing it doesn't recognize is all around it. And I want to bring us into this today because we're in this series, and today we're talking about God around us. God around us. What does that bring up for you? It might depend on your view of God. We talked about this a few weeks ago in our series on prayer, but the way that we view God has a significant impact on our relationship with him. And so maybe you think of God around kind of like distant, like he's aloof. Or maybe you think of God being around like someone who's out to get you, like he's just waiting for you to screw up. So he's around every corner like Santa, right? Checking to see, I know when you're sleeping, I know when you're awake. I know when you've been bad or good. That's really one of the creepier songs we sing this season. <laughs> but maybe you think of God that way, right? He's around, like he's, he's out to get you. And I want to just shift us into this different idea, this different connotation, and I want to suggest today, what if we are a lot like the fish and God is a lot like the water and he's all around us. Now, first of all, again, before you think I'm totally off the deep end here, God, God tells us that he is living water. When Jesus meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he tells her that he is this living water, and if, if she um, is able to experience him, she'll never be thirsty because he, he offers a different kind of life. But I want us to take this one step further, and I'm going to explain why, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a passage that maybe you've heard of before, but as we read it, I want you to picture yourself kind of as a fish, all right? and thinking of God as the water. So we're going to look at Acts 17, verse 27 and 28. And the verses before this passage, by the way, are talking about God making the world and everything in it and putting people in their places throughout history in their, um, to inhabit the world. And this is what the verse 27 starts with. It says, God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. And if you think about this verse, first of all, if you think about yourself as a fish in the water and God being the water all around you, then the first part of this verse almost sounds sarcastic, right? When it's like, oh, maybe people will reach out for God and find him. Well, yeah, because he's all around us, right? He's right there. He's not far from any of us. But I love the idea of, of being a fish in water and how it relates to the second part of literally being in God, having our being in God, moving everything that we are in and through God. Imagine that. And I think the analogy holds because just like a fish to water, we are totally dependent on God for breath and life, for food and the word of God to sustain us, to grow or become mature. 
even to eliminate waste or things that are not of God in our lives to maintain saltiness. Did you know God says we're the salts of the earth? But he says we have to remain in him, right? We have to keep that saltiness through him. And to reproduce or make more disciples, all of those things happen through God. Both our physical and our spiritual realities are completely dependent on God. And what if we live like that? What if we actually lived like all around us, God is, God is there, he is, um, he is present, that um, we are literally swimming in his gifts, in his presence, in his grace, we sing that song sometimes at church um, that loves like God's love's like a hurricane. We're like a tree. And that we're, um, if grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. And I love that idea that we're just literally like surrounded by and overwhelmed by the grace of God. How would that change the way we live? Well, first, I think it would go back to what we did a couple weeks ago. We had this whole praise service, and we just acknowledged and recognized the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and some of you shouted out just things that you're thankful to God for. And by the way, I think as, as we think about who God is and what he's done for us and the fact that we exist because of him, that, we, um, that everything that he's given us, our, our minds, our faculty, like Tom talked about last week, all these intricate parts of who we are, they're all a gift from God they exist through him. They belong to him. Apart from him, we wouldn't exist at all. And when we really think about that, it reminds us that really every day is a day to praise. Every day is a praise day, right? Because we cannot escape the reality that God is so amazing and what he's done is, is incredible. And he deserves our praise. Romans eleven thirty six says, For from him, from God, and through him and for him are all things from and through and for, all these prepositions. But it's this reminder that everything we are and everything we do is in and through and for the glory of God. And that's, I think, something that is important for us to just humble ourselves and remember that. But second, I think this verse is important because it reminds us that God is really not far from any of us. And again, I'm going to go back to this idea. I think sometimes we have this idea that we kind of have to, to work to God. We have to kind of claw our way to him or maybe even climb our way up to God that somehow he wants us to jump through all these hoops. Um, how many of you guys have watched American Ninja Warrior, that show? So there's like these, it's crazy, man. These people, these athletes, they go through these obstacle courses and they have to like balance on these little posts and not like dodge falling in the water and there's things swinging and they have, you know, upper arm strength that is perplexing because they've just got to like go up these bars and down. But then they get through this whole series of obstacles and that if you've watched it at the very end, they have to like basically run up this vertical hill in order to tag the buzzer and, and complete their mission. And I think maybe for some of us, we kind of view God that way. We're like, I just have to get up this vertical wall and like struggle and climb and maybe God will see me. Maybe God will hear me. And this verse reminds us, no, God does not need us to strive to enter his presence. God is already there. He's available and he sees you and loves you exactly where you are. No climbing needed. No, no crazy obstacle course necessary to enter God's presence. God is around you. Although I had to look up this week what the phrase, I'm around. You know when we, someone says, oh, I'm around. I had to look up what that means in today's culture because as a parent of teens now, I'm realizing how quickly language changes. And my teens have reminded me of this. In fact, recently I was using the word sus because I thought that was super cool. Stop laughing at me. Um, <laughs> And apparently, 
Are you, are you thumbs? See, that, the teens, no. The teens are, yeah, no. My kids said, like, no, you're the only person alive that still uses sus. It wasn't even, it was cool for like a hot minute and not anymore. Um, so I looked up the phrase, um, I'm around. I was like, let me just make sure that I have the right connotation here. And so there's this website called Hi Native where somebody else asked also the question, what does I'm around mean? And I kind of love their answer. It's simple, but I almost feel like it, you could say it like a mantra. I am close. I am near you. I am there for you. I'm close, I'm near you, I'm there for you. When God says, I am close, he is there for you, he is near you, he is present, he supports you. He is not this absent father, right? He is, he is a good father, he is active in your life. In fact, one verse um, describes God as a mother, a mother who can't forget the child that she's nursing and I just think that's how God sees each of us. He's that close. He's that concerned with you and, and who you are. He's that present for you. And in the same way that God is near to us, he invites us into this kingdom, this kingdom of God. And I, I talk a lot about the kingdom because I, I think it's this really cool picture of we all exist in this world, right? In this world where there's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of heavy things and difficult things. But God designed a, a kingdom in which he, as Tom talked about last week, is fully sovereign. And in that kingdom, the fruit of, of being and participating in that kingdom is that we experience the love, the joy, the hope of God. All the fruits of the Spirit are evident in God's kingdom. It is a radical kingdom that changes lives. It gives freedom. It brings hope. And the same way that God comes near to us, he brings that kingdom near to us. And all we have to do to participate is say yes to him and follow him. Luke 17, 20 through 21 puts it this way. Jesus says, or it says, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. For the kingdom of God is in your midst. In your midst. We just sang that song about God being in our midst. And I, I love that idea that he is present, that he is around, and he brings this kingdom. Again, not something that we have to run and find. He brings himself and his kingdom near. And the truth is that even before we choose to follow God, even before you choose to even believe in God, you have access to the grace of God because you are someone who is made by him and designed in his image. And you're being sustained and alive today because of that grace. In fact, if I would say right now, I know there's so much polarization. There's so much, you know, we look at different people and different backgrounds. But I think the, the thing about us all that's the same the same that for the, the baby in Hope Church Nursery right now, a Palestinian refugee, an atheist co-worker, that relative that constantly annoys you that you're nervous about seeing this holiday season, your own face in the mirror, what do they all have in common? You are all made in the image of God, designed to be good, designed in his image and, and have access to his grace all around you. We are be, literally being held together by God at this moment. And when we accept God as Lord, we find that we begin to experience and swim in God's spirit and his presence in, in beautiful and fresh ways, and we experience the salvation that radically changes our lives. And as my prayer for all of us, God is near, and I pray that we would feel him near. So maybe you're sitting here thinking, okay, okay, Carrie, I get it, I get it, I'm the fish, this is not a fish, it's close enough. I'm the fish, and God's the water, and we're swimming in God's grace, and that's wonderful. But, but Carrie, sometimes I feel like I can't feel God's presence near. 
Sometimes I feel like I can't experience him near. Sometimes I have, maybe I have a spouse or a child or a friend and I just don't think they can see God. I don't think they recognize his nearness. What do I do? And I think that's a great question. I think it's a question we should be asking more. It's a question like my three-year-old asked me. Why can't I see God? Where's God? Right? It's, it's okay to ask that question. And if you feel that way, you are not alone. How do we begin to notice God around us? Well, first, I would say we sometimes have to begin by asking God to open our eyes, to open our eyes and the eyes of those around us to see him, to see his grace. In the Bible, actually, having one's eyes open, it's not just a physical um, receiving sight physically, but often it's also a sign of a God opening eyes spiritually. When Jesus came, actually, he said he, he came to, to give sight to the blind. And he definitely healed people who were physically blind. But more than that, Jesus was very concerned with spiritual blindness. Um, and I want to actually give you just a few quick examples um, of, of people in the Bible that we see where their eyes were opened. And I think that that can maybe help us to understand how we ask God to open our eyes in different situations and what that might look like for us. So the first person I would bring up who had her eyes open was Hagar. Hagar from the Old Testament. And maybe you know her, um, the story of Abraham and Sarah. They were promised a child from God, but they kind of went their own way. And instead of waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled in his way, uh, they decided to, uh, to try to do it their way. And so Abram tried to have a, a child with this woman, Hagar, and she gave birth to Ishmael. But once Sarah received the promise, received Isaac um, that, that Jesus, that God promised he would send. Then suddenly, um, as the boys grew up, it became clear that she had to send him away. And so she sent Hagar and Ishmael away. And unfortunately, she mistreated Hagar. And Hagar felt so alone. And she's in the desert. And she's got this child. And she doesn't know how he's going to live, right? And God shows up to her in that moment. And Genesis 21, 19 says, Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And I want you to know that sometimes God wants to open our eyes to see provision that he has for us, right? We don't know exactly the context here, but God clearly allowed Hagar to see something, a provision that he had for her that was available to her. And I believe that's true for all of us. Sometimes we can get so focused on the things around us that are going wrong, the negative, the difficult, the painful, the darkness, right? And God says, listen, come to me, lay your burdens before me. I, I love you and I see you and I want to care for you just as he cared for Hagar and he cared for her son Ishmael. Maybe you've got financial issues or relational issues, loneliness or a marriage stress or difficulty with your children, and God says, I see and I care about all of it. Lay it before me and ask me to open your eyes so that you can see the provision that I have for you. And it may not always look exactly the way we expect it, but the beautiful thing about God is he's creative and he's going to keep showing up and keep giving us things that maybe we didn't even realize that we needed. So Hagar teaches us that. Then we see in 2 Kings 6.17, the servant of Elisha. Now, Elisha was a prophet in the Old Testament, and I've used this story before, so maybe it's familiar to you. Um, but in this particular story, um, Elisha and his servant are surrounded by an enemy army, and the army is coming to capture Elisha, and the servant sees this, and he is like, this is not good. Okay, this is, you're having a bad day. Elisha's servant was like, no, this is a bad day, all right? I'm surrounded by people who want to kill me. Um, but what does he do? He freaks out, and Elisha has to come and say, okay, no, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray, and here's what, here's what Elisha prays. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full, full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
Okay, again, I think this is another story of God's provision, um, but it is also a reminder of God's kingdom. Sometimes we, again, I just look today and there's so much darkness. There's so much darkness all around us. And to be honest, it can be paralyzing sometimes. We can just look at the world or read the news and think, I may as well not get out of bed today because it is so hard out there. And I want you to know that God wants us to see. He wants our eyes to be open to recognize that his kingdom is always stronger. He is always stronger than the dominion of darkness, okay? And when we come to realize that, we will begin to notice that the light is always stronger than the dark and God's love and his power always more, par- more powerful than the hatred and the darkness around us. And his kingdom is alive and it's active. And if we can begin to see that kingdom then we can walk in this world, even with the darkness, we can walk in hope because we know that God is holding everything, that he's holding it all and his kingdom is taking care of things we don't even recognize, we don't even realize. And so may we pray that God would open our eyes to see his kingdom. And I would say this also, I would add on, um, sometimes we can get so focused in the kingdom of the world that we also miss God's kingdom. And God says, don't become so focused in the busyness and the, the to-do list and the, the things that seem so important to you right now that you miss the glorious kingdom that I've invited you into, that you miss the better thing and being in my presence. So sometimes God opens our eyes to see provision. Sometimes we ask God to open our eyes to see his kingdom at work and ask how we can participate in it. And sometimes God wants to open our eyes to see his salvation, to see his presence around us. I'm going to tell you quickly the last story here is the story of Saul uh, who became Paul and he's in the New Testament and we've talked a lot about different letters that Paul has written and God used him eventually to become this amazing apostle, this person who shared the gospel with so many people. But before that, he was a persecutor of the church and he was actually looking for people to kill that were Christians and he was trying, he thought he was honoring God in this way but God wanted to radically change his life And so you may remember that he was on this road and he saw this bright light and he was blinded and God spoke to him and then he had to wait and he just lived for a few days in this blindness, unable to see. And God brought this man, Ananias, and said, I want you, Ananias, to go and pray for Saul. And here's what happens in Acts 9, 17 and 18. Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized. And I love this vivid image, right? That something like scales just fell off of of Saul and then he could see. And not only that, he was filled with the Spirit. And I I think this is encouraging that um, we were reminded sometimes we we need an Ananias in our lives. Sometimes we need to be the Ananias in someone else's life and ask God to open their eyes to see him, to to receive his salvation, um, to receive his spirit, and to really experience the fullness of what God wants to do in that person's life. And this is important because 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. It's that spiritual blindness, right? So they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays in the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so God says, I want you to go alongside people. I want you to come along and pray for people that they may see me, that they may know me, that their eyes may be opened to me all around them. And the beautiful thing is, as, we, as I've already mentioned, God did that for Saul. He turned him, he changed his name to Paul, and Paul actually goes on to become this amazing light to help others to see. In fact, that's what God tells um, Paul. 
He says, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God is sending us all to pray and to be part of opening the other eyes of others that they may see his light and move from darkness into light. And really, that is what we, we talk about this Christmas season is that the light has come. The light is here. The light is present. And God invites us all to be light bearers that go out and, and share that light with the rest of the world. So sometimes, if we're having a hard time seeing God, we have to start with praying for our eyes to be open, praying for the eyes of others to be open. But secondly, I would say that we also, if we want to begin to see God and recognize God, we need to begin to train ourselves to see him around us. As believers, we need to begin to be people who pay attention to signs of the nearness of God, signs of the withness of God. And we need to become a people that pray for that for others. And it starts even, I would say, as something as simple as recognizing God in creation. Okay? Because God is an artist, and his creation that he made says a lot about who he is, about his character, about his power, about his love. God could have just made everything very practical. And if you look around, God made things very, very beautiful. He made things intricate. He made things ornate. And that speaks to the kind of God we serve and the qualities that he has. Romans 1.20 says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, those things Tom talked about last week, his transcendence, his sovereignty, they have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. I almost think of it like creation is almost like uh, God dropping some uh, food coloring in the water, right? So that we can see tangibly who he is and what he's made around us. We become aware of it. It is made visible, his divine nature, his love, his heart for us. Or consider this passage. Um, I actually used to have this particular passage uh, painted on my wall when I was a teenager. Sarah and Gala actually came over and helped me with this one. Um, she helped me paint like a sun and a moon, and uh, the sun came out good because Sarah worked on that, and the moon I made, and it was like a dilapidated boomerang somehow. But anyway, but this is the verse I put on my wall. It was Psalm 19, 1 through 4, which says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the world, the earth, the words, their words to the end of the world. And I love this idea that God, without even using words, like an artist, we're going to get to this in a second too, just like an artist uses a, a painting to express things that sometimes we don't even have words for, God paints himself in all of creation, and that voice goes out into all the earth. I love that idea that God's creation is living art, that you are living art of God's. Do not miss the miracle of God's presence in creation. In fact, right about now when it's cold and it's, and it's like freezing outside, one thing I've found out that I hate is taking my dog out to go to the bathroom. I'm like, we just need to get a fence or something for this dog because I'm tired of taking the dog out. But I will be honest, every time I take the dog out, especially in the morning when that sun is coming up or when there's like the moon is still lingering a little bit, God takes my breath away. And sometimes if we want to be people who see God's presence, we have to allow ourselves to see it in the interruptions, in the inconveniences, 
and the things that stop us from our regular tasks and to-dos. In fact, the other day, I was reminded of this in a really powerful way through my three-year-old, and I went to Kohl's, and I uh, somehow I, I accidentally like did a Kohl's order where I did a, a pickup instead of it being shipped to me because nobody, when you have toddlers, you're like, I'm not going to the store with my toddler. Although I got to the store, I got to Kohl's, and the Buenos were there with their, I don't know if you know the Buenos with their little beautiful triplets, and, and so they walked in with their four kids under four, and I had just one kid, and I was like, okay, God, all right, I can, I can handle one kid. Um, but I brought my, brought my three-year-old into Kohl's, and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm not in a rush, so I'm going to let her lead me around. Bad idea. Not a good idea. I thought to myself, like, like if I let her go and, and lead the way, surely, like, every, every aisle eventually leads to the pickup, right? So there's no way we could take too long. Well, I was wrong. So, so she's like, come this way, and then come this way, and then come this way. And before I know it, we're, like, winding our way through the women's department clothing, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to take forever. But she said the most amazing thing to me. She, she said, she's like, Carrie, keep walking and stop when you see something beautiful. Keep walking and stop when you see something beautiful. And I might get emotional, but I feel like God used that phrase for me to stop me and say, Carrie, what if you lived like that? What if you really lived like that? What if, what if throughout your everyday life and you get so busy and you get so chaotic and hectic, what if you stopped every time you saw something beautiful? Guys, I would get nothing done because there is beauty all around me in the faces of each of my children, in the, in the sky, in the, the neighbor, in the, you know, like just everything that we encounter is a gift of God and it is beautiful. Keep walking and stop when you see something beautiful. What stops you from seeing God's beauty? Is it busyness? Is it stress? Is it distraction? The shopping? The holiday season? Maybe it's a need to control your life and get things done. Maybe if sometimes it's ingratitude. Maybe sometimes I start to feel like I just, I'm just, all this is all around. I get used to it. I get to take it for granted Maybe God wants us to remember today that we need to slow long enough to experience his presence. Maybe, maybe God's glory and beauty and goodness, maybe they aren't scarce. Maybe they're so abundant that we don't even realize we're swimming in them like water. So today, I think God wants to invite us back into that awareness. He wants us to stop when we see something beautiful and take a moment and thank him for it. Take a moment to recognize and identify that's his presence. That's him around us. I think God wants us to recognize us, or he wants us to begin to see him the way that he sees us because he sees you all the time. He sees you and he loves you and he says you are worth being with. And he wants us to slow and embrace his presence today. So I'm actually going to end today with a song, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and they're going to close us out. And we're actually going to end with um, the song, and we're also going to be looking at this beautiful painting um, that my friend Zoe Gonzalez actually made. And I'm not going to embarrass her, but she's here today. So thank you, Zoe, for doing this. I asked Zoe um, ahead of time, I said, hey, I'm, I'm doing a couple different messages coming up, and would you be willing to do a painting for me for one of these? And she really resonated with the idea of God around us. And so this painting is her representation of God around us. 
And maybe for you, if I know for me, there's sometimes when I listen to music and I, and I um, watch or look at art, and it unlocks something that God wants to say to me in a different way, in a way that maybe just words alone could not. And so I would encourage you, we're going to listen to this song a worship team is going to sing. And as we do that, I'm going to leave this here, and we're actually going to have Zoe's art also on the screen for you. Um, but I just want you to take a moment. Okay, because we are in this, this season where we're celebrating the birth of Christ, the, the season where we celebrate Jesus coming, the light coming to be with us. And ironically, I think this is the season where sometimes we get so busy that we most easily miss Jesus. And so I want you just to invite you today to be still, to rest for a moment, to have a, a quiet reflection. And in this song that we're going to sing, what I love about it is it talks about God's nearness. It says God is like starlight in the dark, that even when the sun goes down, we feel him. And it says he's not far away. He comes in close. And so I'm just going to pray as we listen to this song. And then I just want you to sit here um, and enjoy a calm moment with Jesus and let him show you how close he really is to you. God, I thank you that you are a loving father, that you're the mother that holds us, that you are the one who sees us all the time. And I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be open, that we would see you and your power and your goodness and your nearness. May we experience you. And God, would you teach us to keep walking and stop when we see something beautiful? Amen.